There are unfortunately too many people in South Africa who still believe that corruption started with the ANC around the arms deal or perhaps Sarafina and that it continued and got worse under Jacob Zuma. And they ignore out of ignorance or because they willfully don't want to know about the corruption. I mean, apartheid itself was a corrupt ideology, a corrupt governance. But in addition to that, there was not exactly a corruption-free environment, not at ESCOM and not at other SOEs during the time of National Party rule. It's something that two journalists and authors, uh, Matthew, Matthew Blackman and his comrade in crime, Nick Dahl, wrote about, have written about before in a book and um, extracted a little bit for an article on the Daily Maverick, which appears at the moment. Matthew, good afternoon. Hi, John. Hi. How are you doing? I'm not too bad in yourself, sir. Good, thanks. Yeah. How how important is it to remind people that ESCOM under a white National Party government was not an oasis of integrity and ethical doings? Yeah, I mean, I think it is very important that, you know, not only ESCOM, but all of corruption you know, has been colorblind in South Africa since the beginning. Um, and, you know, and, and importantly, ESCOM was a source of, you know, corruption under the apartheid regime. And, you know, Andre Dureta, although, you know, he's obviously done a fantastic job by coming out with, you know, all of the information that he has, he made a comment in his interview where he sort of said, you know, he kind of exonerated himself and, and, you know, he said he was, you know, had an Afrikaner blind spot to corruption, which seemed to, to us to be, you know, slightly ill-informed and strange considering the Raiders' history as well. Um, you know, the, the corruption within ESCOM and around coal itself has, has a history. And, and in many ways, he should probably know that history. Okay, what what evidence is there as to the kinds of corruption that was taking place at ESCOM during the the sixties and seventies and eighties? So, in um, around nineteen fifty three, when the apartheid government won their, their second election, um, you know, the, there was the secret organisation called the Bruderbond, which was really in control of the National Party at the time, and they you know, they wanted to make inroads into mining. At the time, around 1950, there was only about 1% of all mining in South Africa was owned by, um, you know, Afrikaner mines at the time. And, and they started a policy through ESCOM to try and turn that around for themselves and, and to increase um, the wealth of the kind of Afrikaner elite. And they started building, they built two... Um, power stations um, right next to or, or near enough to a, a um, coal mine called Colebrook Coal Mine. Um, the names of those power stations are Tybosh and Highfield. And they handed over the, the contracts, um, the coal contracts to, um, to essentially Colebrook, um, which was run by the Bruderbond, um, was run by uh, Federale Mainbow. And... Um, you know, these were not open tenders. They and you know, as as Nick and I said in the book, they they handed these tenders over to a bunch of brothers, um, rather like Jacob Zuma, who handed it over to, you know, the Gupta brothers. These these similar kinds of contracts were handed over to them. So we we had seen this history before. Um, 
And, you know, when you, when you look at the history of Colebrook Mine as well, there is a deep source of corruption there in that there was this terrible tragedy there in the 1960s, um, which killed 500 miners. And that was, you know, about bad mining practices, um, which were covered up. And, you know, there was a whole cover up around what happened there. You know, so, so the history of, of ESCOM and those coal mines is a long one. And it's not one that is not corrupt. And it's not one that, you know, that you can say, oh, well, you know, I have an Afrikaner blind spot to this. This is, you know, a fundamental part of our history. And this carried on right up until the 1980s. I was just looking into this today. There was a, um, a power station called Matimba, which was built and the contract was handed over to a coal mine called Grootgeluk. Um, and it was it was a Grootgeluk for them. Um, they, um, you know, and it was, and it was government owned and, and the same kinds of tender irregularities were occurring um, there as, as they occur to d- today. And, and Matthew, in, in the article that you and Nick extract from the book, um, you, you give an answer to a question which inevitably comes up, at least from one or two somebodies at, at a time like this. They say, well, at least then ESCOM worked. At least then ESCOM delivered power. What, what we have at the moment is both corruption and load shedding. At least yeah. there was no load shedding in the 60s and 70s and 80s. That, that is a point. Um, but, you, you know, ESCOM was producing electricity for a tiny minority of the country. It, you know, whatever the faults of the ANC, and there are many, you know, they have their project is to try and produce electricity for everybody. They obviously do that very badly. But, um, you know, nevertheless, you know, there is a, there's a distinction between the two. Of course, you know, ESCOM did work very well for the minority. It, it, you know, there, there is no question about that. But, but the actual, the sort of idea, ideology behind that was, was, was a fundamentally corrupt one. Actually, you know, you, you mentioned that in the intro is that, you know, apartheid was a corrupt system. And, and that corruption was about, producing something amazing and beautiful for a small minority of people while excluding and brutalizing, actually, the vast majority of people. Matthew Blackman, journalist and author, thank you.